This is the final, the grand finale of our 21 days series on the future of faith. Hey, Chidi, it's good to see you. Same here, finally. Yes, the devil is a liar, like you say. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. He missed totally. It. Fantastic. It's good like to have him. you here. My people are excited. Mm. People have been counting down, waiting for this one. My mother said to me, I don't, I don't tell anybody who the speakers are until the day. Yeah. Yesterday night, my mother texted me, said, I know that it is Pastor Sam that you are ending with today. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I, I trust mommy. <laughs> Great to see you. Sir. with prophetic insight. Same here, today. Thank you so much. Wow. Mm. 21 days, man. Ah, you've done well. You've done well. <laughs> <laughs> thank That's you. A lot of work. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So let's get right into it because people have been waiting for this session. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask this. I mean, you've been incredibly busy this period of COVID. You know, um, yeah. which is typically how you are because we were about to start a protest in church last year because we were not seeing you in Nigeria. <laughs> you know, often. So your international speaking engagements over the past few years have been off the roof. Um, but this time you've also been very busy. When you look at, I mean, we're still in COVID, we're still going through COVID. When you look at all the change that has happened, all the, all the things that have happened, especially in and out of church with culture, I know you are very interested in culture, with business, with leadership, you know, right. what is the, what of all the thoughts that come to you, which is the one that stands out the most that you think this, this, this season has emphasized for you? Perhaps a lesson, perhaps an insight, perhaps a highlight. Okay. So thank you very much today. Thank you for having me here. Um, <clears throat> especially after all the powerful people that you brought here. <laughs> they took all the tables, broke, <laughs> flattered, then just completely dissolved the table. So <laughs> they have, sir. They have been going. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, I would say the most predictable thing about life is change, mm. or the or should I use the word? disruption because when this whole thing started of course what i wanted to do was to gain god's perspective to it so i was then wondering okay and people were asking questions of course and you know leadership has been tough at, at this season mm -hmm. because uh, i mean only few people alive saw the last pandemic the last global pandemic so you could see leaders themselves feeling their way around, stumbling, you know, around, making it up, you know, as they went on. Mm -hmm. So I had to find answers. I had to quickly find answers. And then I went back into the Gospels and saw that Jesus spoke. Mm -hmm. You know, people were asking me, is this the end time? Does it mean that the end has come? Mm -hmm. I looked into the Bible and I said, you know what? From the day Jesus left this planet, the end time had started, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> end time had started to the extent that the people around then thought Jesus was coming back during his, their time, their lifetime. So, but then in Matthew 24 especially, you know, as I began to read what Jesus described as the signs of the end time, I just saw it was massive disruptions he was talking about. The earthquakes, the famines, the pestilences or plagues, you know, the wars, the rumors of wars, and so on. Massive disruption. It's just that most of us people of faith don't like to hear negative things. So, you know, in my leadership work, I do scenario planning mm -hmm. you know, as part of mm -hmm. strategic, strategic leadership. We do scenario planning. 
And I tell organizational leaders, disruptions will come. They are inevitable. You've got to prepare for them. And the first thing you should do is scenario planning. Just, just think mm. ahead and pick some specific um, factors like technology, mm. like uh, politics, like economy, and so on. And ask yourself what potential disruptions may come from those angles. Mm. Mm. And I ask them to, to stretch their imagination and imagine the worst that could happen. Mm. People of faith struggle with that because they yeah. don't want to make negative confessions. Yes. Yes, yes. So I remind them that they cannot have more faith than Jesus Christ. And mm. that it was Jesus that said the worst things <laughs> that could happen, that would happen in the future, not that could, that mm. definitely will happen in the future. Okay, you mm. can't have more faith than Jesus. So mm. these things are inevitable. Okay, so, but what I found out is generally, Jesus himself said that people would prefer stability to change. So he mm -hmm. said it would be as it was in the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. Once we experience some comfort, we want things to continue that way. And I found out, I mean, it's human beings that make up the church. So even the, in the church too, we prefer for things to go smoothly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. disruptions are predictable. Inevitable. Yeah, that's the lesson that has come to me. Fantastic. We need to prepare. <laughs> mm. Right. So the people who, there are people who would say that. So you know, sometimes when I'm in church, because I when I interact with you, you are quoting this book, you are quoting this research, you are quoting this professor, you are quoting that thinker. And sometimes, so when we are when you are teaching, because you are also a leadership expert and a teacher. So when you are teaching, and then you and then you say, and constantly when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The, especially in non-church settings even, then the person, I have, then almost as if you have to rewire your head and be like, okay, so you have to remember that Pastor Sam, it's not just about intellect, you know, he's also going to talk about the spirits. How right. does one navigate? I've always wanted to ask you this, how do people navigate yes. when they should be listening? Because again, then people will say, don't be over spiritual, Something, certain things are spiritual, but governance, for instance, is about competence, mm -hmm. about integrity. How do people know right. when to listen to the Holy Spirit, or when yes. to listen to 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 Li Kuan Yu, <laughs> or when <laughs> to listen to right. you know Jeffrey Sachs. How? Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting question you asked because mm -hmm. it goes to the root of our understanding of Christianity. Yes, you know, of our faith. Um. <clears throat> Hmm. This separation between the spiritual world mm -hmm. or spiritual life and, and the secular life mm. is creating big problems. Right. For you to be able to navigate effectively like I do, because actually it's the same principles that I teach. But I mm. understand that the language we speak in church, that in church we have our own lingo. It's a language spoken in church. We have a culture. And that out on the street, they don't speak the same okay. language there. You will sound like a barbarian, okay, like a confused person. And <laughs> Paul the Apostle said it. Mm -hmm. You know, and Paul mm -hmm. said it in 1 Corinthians 14. Mm -hmm. If people that are not believers come in, they hear you speaking mm -hmm. in a language they don't understand, you will sound to them like a barbarian. That's how he said mm -hmm. it. In mm -hmm. Okay? So I understand that I can't go on the street, I can't go to the business arena and tell them the anointing breaks the yoke. <laughs> they don't know what anointing is. The yoke is a, an agricultural implement you don't even use anymore these days. So you lost them. So actually that's part of why I expanded my mm. reading, my studying. It was partly to acquire the vocabulary. Mm. Why did Jesus, why were people excited to listen to Jesus? Luke chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says that people pressed on him. He was by the lake Gennesaret, and people pressed on him to hear the word of God. I said, oh my God, how do I get people to, to be so passionate about listening to what I have to say? I hear some pastors say, look, some of those big churches, the reason why people go there is because the, the gospel is watered down. The message yes. is watered down. 
That's why we go there. You know, the reason why we don't have many people here is because we teach the, the truth. truth. <laughs> yes, we teach the truth. So I say that there must be a difference between the truth you teach and the one Jesus. Jesus. Because the truth Jesus taught did not drive the crowd away. It brought them. Okay? But you notice, they said Jesus never said anything to the crowd without a parable or a story or an illustration. Mm. You must start communicating those your stories. Mm. So which stories am I going to use? Mm. They have to be stories that they can connect with. That's why Jesus picked most of the illustrations from farming mm-hmm. or from the business world of his day. Mm. Okay? Mm. So... For, for a pastor to be able to neg- uh, navigate the two worlds like I'm doing and to not mix the two together, I can say exactly the same thing in church and use scriptural references and use church lingo and go into the business world and say the same thing mm. without using church lingo. Mm. Okay, mm. It ha- first of all, has to deal with the mindset. The pastor must have that paradigm shift mm. and understand the Holy Spirit is everywhere. If you read mm. Ephesians 1, you read Colossians, you will understand Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. everything. Every system, every structure on this planet is still lays claim on them. So to think that Jesus is outside of the political system, out of the political world, that is a stranger to the world of science and technology, we're doing ourselves a lot of disservice. We're taking him out of where he is most needed, actually. Mm. Mm. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. So I have a lot of questions from that, but you know, I, I know how time <laughs> disappears on these things. So I want to go to somewhere else. You know, many years right. ago, when I was, I've said to friends of mine that, um, that you know, I, I was joking with, I've joked, it's a, it's a joke, half joke. And I said, there are certain churches that if their pastor says, jump, they'll be like, how high? And I said, this time, <laughs> If Pastor Sam says jump, we we'll say, ah, but Pastor, you taught us that before we jump. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pastor, we love you, but just tell us why we should jump. Because you are the one that said we should ask questions. Yes. So yes. I listen that you have a lot of troublesome children, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> you know, I'm not one of them, but you have a lot of. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> if it is not, if it's not praise for where or near, this one you're causing trouble somewhere, or even some of the more prominent churches that young people gravitate towards. You know, there are people who are questioning who still who love God in season. The beauty is that often people just go away from the church. Where's people who love God, who stay in the church, who listen, but who ask questions, who break tables, who Right. You know, who who push, you know, who question dogma and all of that. Yes. Yeah. How are you people when other people look at that, they see it as dangerous. They see it as people who are moving away from doctrine, moving away from discipline. But I've been mm-hmm. in meetings with you where people are arguing and debating, and you are not telling them you have to do this, you have to believe this, you are listening, you are counseling. People will say that is dangerous, that you should rein them in that you should put right. them in line. You know, why do you, <laughs> why do you, why do you have such children, sir? And why do you allow them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's basically because our knowledge of God mm. is definitely still limited. Mm. It is not complete yet. Mm. Mm. Revelation is progressive. It, there is no true follower of God who will not have an open mind, mm. who will not know that his or her knowledge of God is still very limited. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all the apostles said. In First Corinthians 13, I think verse 8, he said, For we know in part, and yes. we prophesy in part. Yes. That should make any preacher humble. Humble. All, every, the, all the revelations you have gotten, mm-hmm. it's still part. It's still part. When we get to heaven, we will see him as he is. 
we will have the full knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling many of us will laugh at ourselves. Many of us that were quarreling over <laughs> doctrines, for example, mm-hmm. will realize we were all right. We were only mm-hmm. partly right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. God has not created a replacement for himself on this planet. <clears throat> okay? <laughs> Nobody knows everything. So that's what makes me open. The early church, I studied the early church. You know, the people that walked with Jesus live. Ah. And after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church was born. Mm. And then you find out Revelation was progressive. They had to deal mm. with issues as they were coming on. Yes. yes. They had to deal with organizational issues. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because the thing exploded. Boom. 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. Da, 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 da. Yeah, people were selling their lands and houses. They were feeding the hungry. And then mm-hmm. there was a crisis in Acts chapter 6. Mm-hmm. And some people were grumbling and murmuring. The food was not getting to them. And then the church leadership has to do something. Mm-hmm. Organization. Mm. They had to bring in management and leadership in there. Created an operational system. Mm. Said, if we leave strategy, and strategy mm. for us in ministry is praying and hearing from God. We leave that, everybody's going to suffer for it. Okay? Mm. So let's appoint some people to take care of the operations. They did that, the result, uh, the word of, they said, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God increased, mm. and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Okay, you move on. But let me fast forward and jump over some things to Acts 15. Serious doctrinal issues. Mm -hmm. Circumcision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Jewish Christians are insisting everybody must be circumcised or else they are not saved. And then the Gentiles are saying that's not part of our culture. What are we supposed to do? So they send (laughs) Paul, you know, and his companion to Jerusalem. Everybody, every Christian should read Acts 15 and see how they debated. So before we begin to think that it is something strange for us to discuss or debate doctrinal issues, they debated. They were going back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, until eventually they resolved it. Mm. We should not compel Gentiles to be circumcised. Mm. Okay? Mm. But they should do this and this and this and that. Then the church moved forward from there. So who said you know, who said that we've resolved all the issues? Mm. There are things coming up now that were not in existence then. Mm. Okay? Mm. Should we use mm. computers or not? Mm. There was a time when uh, church ushers were collecting phones and tablets from people's hands before they went into the service. service yes. Okay? <laughs> we allowed them to take care of the service because our understanding was limited. Mm. Okay? So we will have to resolve those. That's why I keep an open mind. And I challenge our church members. I tell them, we don't raise mumu Christians. That's a Nigerian word, right? <laughs> For foolish Christians. Yes. If yes. Ones, okay, if in Acts chapter 17, mm-hmm. they described the Christians in Berea as being more than the ones in Thessalonians, the scriptures daily to see whether the things they were hearing were so or not. Mm-hmm then it's okay for you to check out what I am saying. Mm-hmm. To be honest, mm-hmm. the staff members correct me mm-hmm. since they know I'm open to it, okay? They send me the text messages. We had a scenario like that two years ago yes. where I preached this powerful message on the eagle. And, and since, since I've been a Christian, I have heard that the eagle is the highest flying bird in the right. world. Right. And I said it. And then... <laughs> Well, I think two days later or so, that, or the next day, that somebody sent a text message to Pastor Nick. And, Pastor Nick, and my, my beloved wife, Nick, said to me, um, somebody just sent me a text message. The person said that they don't have the authority to correct Pastor Sam. But mm. this assertion that he made, that the eagle is the highest flying bird, the person said, I checked it out. It is not correct. As he was saying it, I was holding my phone. I was checking on the phone. I was checking on Google and found out it was true. Mm, 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 I don't mm. think the eagle even makes the first 10. <laughs> I, so I said to her, I said, the person is correct. The person is correct. 
the next time I'm in church to continue the series, I'm, I'm going to say it. So mm -hmm. I'm, when I go back to church, I announced before I started the message. You guys remember, I said this, I said, okay, one of you sent me a message. I want to say a big thank you to that person. I was wrong, okay? Mm -hmm. I was wrong. The highest flying bird, the, I'm not sure the eagle does more than 10,000 feet above sea level. The highest flying bird does 37,000 feet above sea level. Commercial airlines have seen it in the sky. Okay, uh, Rupert's Griffon Vulture or so. Mm. So, it, and church members clapped. Obviously because they were they're surprised. That, they're not used to it. That I would come, and, and it's not just only the physical crowd now with some few tens of thousands of people, but on the internet, global. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I said to them, I'm aware that I influence a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mislead people. This is a mm -hmm. huge responsibility, okay? Mm -hmm. So I was wrong. This is the correct thing. I then said, however, every other thing I said in that message was correct, okay? So don't throw <laughs> the whole message away. <laughs> but after that, I got emails. I got text messages. Yes, of course. People were, you know, they were touched that I could... Since then, I've received correction. There are some that help me to correct my grammar. The words that I don't you know, pronounce correctly and so on. It only makes me better. It doesn't take anything away from me. I mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. if Christianity would not get stuck, and usually mm -hmm. Christianity comes behind the society, and that pains me because Christianity is supposed to, the church is supposed to be ahead. Mm -hmm. okay? The church is supposed to be ahead. Mm -hmm. So we come behind mm -hmm. because we're not open. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, for example, that you say, I expect Christians to be leading in Silicon Valley. Hmm. Hmm. But you ask, why is it not that way? I think it's because it, it's the guys that are the most open, that have the most open mind, actually, that are leading even though the openness sometimes also has issues. But God is not afraid of freedom. He mm. created man that way. He mm. gives man the free choice. If man makes the wrong choices, he suffers the consequences himself, that's fine. But to police man, police his choices and limit his capacity to think, even God doesn't want to do that. So we want to raise that kind of a church. Okay, because I'm expecting people that will lead in the sciences and in technology, mm -hmm. lead in the sports mm -hmm. world, lead in the business world, lead in politics. Mm -hmm. We're expecting them mm -hmm. to come from our church. Our vision mm -hmm. is to raise role model. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's incredible. I'm, I'm like, I'm taking so many notes. I'm writing down. <laughs> <laughs> like, I came here for school. Another question, sir. You know, something, I, I, again, I've interacted. I mean, I went to date. As you know, I was, I was in Daystar for, I think, I always tell my mother that it's the greatest gift that she ever gave me. When I was in, mm. when I was about to graduate in 2008, or so, she said to me, "I can see that you are not happy here. Go and find your church. Go and find, you know." And so I was going from church to church. Yeah. I planned to go to 30 or 40 churches, and then after collecting the data, okay. I would sit at home, and I would decide which church to go to. And I can never forget just getting into Daystar, around 2008 or seven, Old Oregon Road, and stepping into the church and listening and i just thought my search is ended yeah like i just there was no need to continue moving i keep telling that story because it was powerful i didn't mm. expect it but then even after then i didn't know you any closely till maybe 10 years after or eight years mm. after but the closer i am to you the more i know that when you talk about integrity when you talk about mediocrity when you talk about innovation all of those things you are not just preaching you know in fact, some of people in the church, you know, some people in the church, I had a friend who was complaining that, you know, as friends of the pastor, we should be able to park, you know, inside the church. <laughs> but then there is no, it doesn't happen in this time. There is no, all of those processes, pastor finishes preaching, he drives himself out. You're, you don't jump the queue. If people even ask you, you know, and I'm not saying this, I'm saying this because it's important for me to state this. Or, you know, sometimes people want yeah. to give you gifts. They'll be pursuing you all over Lagos for the gifts. They will not even see you to give <laughs> the gifts to. We need to report you to the public, sir. So, <laughs> how easy is it to live in a country like Nigeria without those 
compromises of how truly easy is it, you know, to live, to do importations without giving holy bribes to custom, to, you know, to insist on this without doing that, to insist on all of these standards. How it's for people, it's like they want to do this thing. But I remember Pastor Sarah Omaku said, Nigeria, Nigeria forces people to sin. People want to do their right. death, but it's a system that right. forces you to sin. How does one right. truly practically live, live a, 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 a just, a moral, a life of integrity in a society that is designed to make you break the rules? And people mm. sometimes even want to help you. Like, they want to help you, but it's, they will even permit and extend oh, yes. you from breaking the rules. Oh, yes. Oh, they, in, in fact, helping you to break the rules or helping you to circumvent the process mm -hmm. is a way of making you obligated. They mm. give that to you as a gift, right? right, right. I'm driving into a hotel and then at the gate, you're supposed mm -hmm. to get a ticket and mm -hmm. then um, <clears throat> they say, oh no, they just wave me on. You know, pastor, you don't just go, go, go. I say, no, give mm. me the ticket. He said, but you don't, we'll be here. I said, well, your supervisor can move you at short notice. What if it's somebody else that is driving this car out and so on? Okay, so let's just do it the proper way, right? It doesn't mm. cost anything. Okay. Mm. So what I would just say is, when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, mm. what was he assuming about the environment? in which the Christian will exist, that there will be decay, mm. that there will be no flavor. Mm -hmm. When he said, you are the light of the world, mm. what was he assuming about the environment? Mm. That there will be darkness. That there will be darkness. So uh, Isaiah 60, you know, says there's going to be darkness in the world, gross darkness of, on the people. So actually, mm -hmm. the darkness, that corruption, mm -hmm. makes living the Christian life and living by the values of Christ, it mm -hmm. makes them really valuable. Mm -hmm. It makes the Christian to stand out. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Will it be easy? No. But the point is that we were not meant to release our flavor through our own power. It, it all comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's a test of the allegiance of the Christian. Is it to Christ, really, or to self, or to the crowd? Okay, even the religious crowd. So I ask questions, to be honest. I, I have questions that trouble me. Like I was asking a, a pastor friend recently, I said, are you sure Christianity has changed our values in Nigeria? Mm. I said, because I look at Christ, I look at the apostles, I look at Paul, when they introduced the ideology of Christ, this is the power, existing power structures reacted. Mm. So I said, I'm expecting the systems to react like that, you know, to us. So I was painting the example of Acts chapter 19. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul goes to this Jewish synagogue, he's thrown out. He rents the school of Tyrannos and begins to teach Christ, to teach the values of Christ, to teach love. Two straight years. He was doing mm -hmm. it daily. They say first that people gathered the magical books and set them on fire. I yes. said, that's it. And Acts 19.20 says that the word of God grew mightily and prevailed, which means the new ideology of Christ, the values of Christ that Paul was teaching displaced the existing ideologies because the ideologies are captured in books. They burnt all the books. Mm. Next, it hit the economy to mm. the extent that the businessman created a riot in the city. I said, that's the kind of reaction I'm expecting. Acting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So... For me, Nigeria is actually the best environment hmm. to live the values of Christ. 
yes, and to let people see that the values are superior, to let people see that love works. You see, the people living by the wrong values, they own media houses, they own, you know, uh, the sectors that shape culture. Yeah. They, uh, they, they control government, mm -hmm. and with that, they kill the educational system, so people will not be able to rationalize properly or think, all that. And so they've created a negative narrative about what it means to even be successful and all that. Fine. But I think, so people then don't believe that you can succeed by doing things the right way. Yes. I knew it was going to take time, but that it would work. There's no way the kingdom of God would not work. Jesus said it's like a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds. But when you plant it, it goes into a giant tree. It was just a matter of time. You introduce it like yeast, <laughs> you know, but with time, it influences everything. So a new mm. living by the values of Christ would eventually work, produce the right results. And I felt that then people would listen to us. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I totally get that. Yes. I'm going to ask about something else. I feel like there's so many questions and I want to ensure, you know, I always say to people that one of the things I began to learn when I started telling this uh, that I'm prone to overtalk. So in the office, I always say I'm going to use the Dr. Sam standard where I say, Pastor Sam wants to say something in 20 minutes. He will say it in 20 yes. minutes. Once 20 minutes is over, it is stopped. Meeting is ended. You are going. So the spirit of the prophet is under the prophet. So we keep moving. Rest. You know, right. I remember that I, I, I remember once that you preached a message a few years ago, three or four years ago about not hustling, about, you know, about, I think it was about rest. I mean, this year we are talking about rest, but three years ago, yeah. you know, you preached about this mess. I was in church, I was sitting down at the back and I was tearing up. You were talking about, you know, to succeed, to have a vision, to build value, to live a life that you can enjoy, this gra gra this hustle, this desperation, that it was not necessary, you know? And, you know, you were breaking it down with the Bible, you were breaking it down with your life, you know, in a way that nobody had ever preached to me before, you know? And to be honest, that message has, you know, last year, we're going through a rough time in business, CFO came to me, you know, panicked me, said, what are we going to do? I said, what we are going to do is we keep moving. If the worst happens, we are doing <laughs> right. We are doing everything we are supposed to do with meet. We are strategizing. We are investing. We are working hard. That's all we can do. We will wait for the results to come out. Now, this is not how I used to think about life before. Those teachings about rest, mm. about calm, about peace, about wisdom, while taking action, not resignation, not, oh, what will be, will be, but taking action with right. calm. I learned from you. How, did, how, is that, how are you able to how are you able to learn that lesson in a nation mm. where, because you are, you, are, you, you, you are now to the world, but you are made in Nigeria. <laughs> you know, how do you, <laughs> you learn that lesson? About, I forget, somebody asked what's the name of that message. I bought 10 copies of that message. I'll find it. I forget the title. I'll find mm. it and I'll post it on social media. How did you learn that lesson as a Nigerian living in Nigeria? How did you maintain that aura of calm in a country where you are told you must hustle, you must fight, it is dog eat dog, eat or be eaten, no food for lazy man. How? How can we, you know, all of that? How? How? Because I hustled. I hustled. I hustled. Man, I was desperate. I was desperate. Mm. By the time, you know, I, I got through with my youth service mm -hmm. and had to try to get a job for almost two years, struggling as an engineer, you know, before I could get a job, tried mm -hmm. to run out of Nigeria in the process. Everything was working fine. The whole plan collapsed within a few days. Ah, I tried, man. I tried. <laughs> and then... When we started our church, I went on the attack yes. again. We did everything, all night prayer, all day prayer, fasting, 
you know, mm -hmm. the, and then the church was not growing. Ah, I was, mm -hmm. I was almost getting to my wit's end, especially the first year. So we were preparing for our first anniversary for Desta when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, look, the people I sent to you, you're going to abuse them, you're going to mistreat them if you don't deal with your insecurity. You need mm. to enter your rest. Mm. You need to enter your rest. That was when I went to study the word rest. And Hebrews chapter 4 is about the rest that God promised his people, and some people never entered it. He even mm. swear that they will not enter it. But especially mm. Hebrews 4 mm. verse 9, he said that anyone that has entered into God's rest has ceased from his own works because the works were finished from the foundation of the world. That was my breakthrough. It was like, look, mm. you're not the one that is just mm. about to plan your life. We planned everything even before Adam was created. Yes. The yes. rest yes. is for you to find the plan. We provided grace for you to do it. The plan is beyond your resources, beyond your capabilities. It was designed based on God's resources. Okay? So you find out what I want you to do. Do it. You will get more results than your human ability can produce. That's where your rest is. Then he spoke to me about the church. So if you fight anyone for leaving that church, whether pastor or church member, it will be proof you believe that I am weak. That just with the exit, exit of one person, then the whole plan is derailed. Hello. He said, I'm God. If people in your city refuse to come to your service on Sunday, I can bring people from outside the city to attend services on Sunday. I am God. Your destiny is with me. Mm. You know what? That, that, was, mm. that was where I got, I got my it. peace. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. So that's why I tell people, all I want to do is find out what God wants me to do. I just want to find out the plan. Mm. I tell them, I, mm. I want to do work that has already been finished. Mm. <laughs> when, I studied, right, when I studied the life of Christ, that was what I saw. He explained it in John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. He said, the son can do nothing by himself, but whatever he sees the father doing. He said, for the father loves the son and mm -hmm. shows him whatever he himself is doing. I said, what? So it is what has been done, finished in the spirit world. Done. That's what Jesus was down here. Jesus was saying, if you see me do any miracle, the father showed it to me. What a cheap way to live life. So that is what it's about. People need to stop the struggle. And Jesus said it in Matthew 11, from verse 28. Yeah, come to me. Those of you that are heavy laden, carrying a heavy load, he said, I'll teach you how to rest. I'll mm. teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm. Unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay, sir. I know that time is passed. And because we started late, mm -hmm. I was going to push a bit. I'll just ask two questions and then, you know, we'll go. <laughs> one is, right. one is, the, this one is about innovation. You know, I learned, right. one of the things I've learned from you is innovation. I can never forget service about six years ago. They say, when I was going to do for services, people said, ah, no, how can church be one hour? Or we cannot, and you said, show me the person that did praise and worship before Jesus Christ started preaching. <laughs> I dropped, I was screaming. I was screaming. <laughs> so many of these things that you've done that are taken for granted by a new generation of churchgoers and church leaders were for their time revolutionary several right. services even the even the mainstreaming of the message bible i think you know in 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 church here you know and saying look we cannot be speaking thou at what are thou in 2020 <laughs> you know and then right. last time you know saturday service you know that you even with the church sometimes i see you you have to make it easy for the church you know that we are not committing a <laughs> sin if we hold church on Saturday, you know, some of these right. things, the ease of disruption, the ease, especially in, a, in, a conserv in, in, in things like religion, where people have fear, you know, but also even for non-church things, some of us take inspiration from that. What is the number one thing you would say that makes it easy for people to innovate? 
to innovate? What would be the thing that you learned that you can share with us? Okay. Um, first, it is that we are created in God's image. My understanding mm -hmm. of that is beyond physical appearance because God doesn't even have a physical body. If God says that he's, he created man in his own image in Genesis 1. So I go mm -hmm. back to Genesis 1, through the beginning, the first introduction of God in verse 1. Mm -hmm. It says, in the beginning, God created. So the first attribute of God that we learn is his creativity, is that he's creator. He brings creativity. into existence things that never existed before. Yes. So mm. our dominion of this earth is actually tied to our capacity for creativity, our capacity for innovation. Secondly, mm. in Genesis 28, um, Moses is addressing Israel and saying, if you obey God, you obey his commandments. He says in verse 13 that mm. the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And obviously, he's using a cow for illustration. The head is in front, the tail is at the back. God's people. Mm that hear God, obey God, should never be tailed in the society, dragged about, not mm -hmm. part of the decision-making. Hello, we are head. Mm -hmm. And the head is where thinking, of course. So I believe that the church should lead in innovation. Therefore, the church should mm -hmm. lead in innovation. Mm -hmm. The way Jesus did his healings and miracles were innovative. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And Jesus mm -hmm. broke rules. Mm -hmm. Jesus broke rules. Mm -hmm. You can't be innovative if your passion is to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. so, so I understand how much room the Holy Spirit has given us for innovation mm -hmm. in the New Testament. Hey. When people ask me, I just want to ask, can we, what should we do as our church? Should we do this? Should we not do that? I tell them, look, the one that is written in the Bible, that one is doctrine. Let's do it. Anything else outside that, the Holy Spirit has given us freedom. So that's what I say about the service order. Mm -hmm. That the service order in the average Pentecostal church right now, especially mm -hmm. in Nigeria, if all over the world is predictable. So I ask people, so if you got into the average Pentecostal church now, what would be the first item on the program? They say opening prayer. Next, they say praise and worship. Good. Next. I said, but where did you find an order of service in the New Testament? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where did you find the order of service in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit decided to do it that way to give us the freedom. And it would mm. now seem as if you were sinning if you don't do it the way they've been doing it. Yes. Okay? So we decided in this that, for example, okay, the, the grace. We're not saying the grace. Yes. yes. We want to find something to say. Okay? It's something that comes close to our own mission. Okay. We decided to take something on the word, Joshua 1 8. Yes. And then in recent times, when people began to question how we're bringing the Old Testament the to the New Testament, somebody said, this book of the law, that law you're talking about is, is Moses' commandment. Oh, so we discussed it at the pastor's meeting. So then we were looking for another verse in the New Testament to put that, and then we said, hold it. For how long are we going to do this? So if we bring another verse, somebody has something against it, raises something against what do we do? So we cut it out. And when we close the service, Praise God. So with that, we've come to the end of this service. <laughs> See you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye for now. I was like, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can start a service without praise and worship. So it's my understanding of God, of scriptures, of the things that are fixed, of the ones that are flexible, you know, that gives me that freedom to innovate. Look at um, technology, for example, doing services online. Yes, it was this traveling abroad, doing global ministry, that brought it about, you know. And our daughter just said we were in Atlanta, and my plan was to preach live via Skype into the service. Yeah. Then my beautiful wife Nika said, "What are you trying to do? The first service in this time in Lagos is seven a.m. That's two a.m. in Atlanta. So you want to put on your suit and tie two a.m. in the middle of the night? How long are you going to do this for?" Oh my, I didn't think about it. <laughs> you know, so our daughter said, Ah, I saw something in our church. 
when I was in school in the UK, mm-hmm. the pastor recorded the message and they played it. Why don't you record the message? Mm-hmm. So then I began to record on the stage in Daystar with our powerful cameras. And then we play back on Sunday. I should confess, I struggled. Mm-hmm. So I would ask the pastors, you know, how are people taking it? What are they saying? The video, the, how are they taking it? Nothing happened. The church did not go down. Attendance did not go down. It was effective. And then one day I was, I was praying to the Holy Spirit about it because I was still uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit mm. said to me, what's your problem with the recorded message? Mm. The Bible you are carrying around, is it not recorded? Hey! I said, hey. <laughs> he said, if the messages of Jesus were recorded on video, mm. would you not play them mm. on Sunday to the congregation? The Holy Spirit said, I'm even trying to elongate your life. You are struggling with it. If you were there, you would preach five times. This one you record once, they play it five times. Which one is better? I said, this one is better. Thank you. My life is going to be longer than this one. Thank you. How, now I'm laughing at myself. How would I have known that the whole world would have to go online? Online, yes. And that's yes. normal. Now, yes. the Holy Spirit was trying to prepare me ahead. I was struggling with it. So, yes. in working with the Holy Spirit, we have to be open to new ideas. Mm. That's my mm. experience. Fantastic. Final questions are final. Um, a lot of young people are, 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 are this thing about angry. They're angry at the church. And I did this in my conversation with my friend, you know, two days ago. I had Bishop Okonkwa first started this, Pastor Sarah Marco. My friend Umfan was in the chat with me. People, it's, it's been going viral. We, we couldn't even know. People are hungry. People feel as if they've been held down for so long. And suddenly now, they've been free. Not by us, but by all these things happening all over the place. Um, I remember that when the whole tight controversy was happening in Nigeria, a lot of pastors were going to lay courses, etc. You, you kept quiet for weeks. Then you came to the church and said, look, they are right. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> where do you think where do you think all this anger, do you think, see this revolt, so to speak, as a good thing? And where do you think it will ultimately lead this generation of Christians and believers to? Mm. Thank you. Very good question. <clears throat> and I mean, it, it just uh, hits into my prayer point at the moment. Okay? Because when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I saw a huge opportunity. Mm. A huge mm. opportunity for change. A huge opportunity. Because crisis come with opportunity. Yes. I've been discussing, like, uh, in my consulting work, I had this round table mm. a week ago with business leaders. And I was amazed at the way they think, the way they see things. Mm. With all these crises, they've, they've been spotting opportunities. I'm serious. The, the greater the problem, they know the more money they're going to make. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're pivoting their businesses, pivoting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when this occurred, I was just looking for the opportunity in this. What does God want to do? Because when I was reading Matthew 24, mm-hmm. Jesus listing all the calamities that will happen, he just slotted it in there. And mm-hmm. this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And then the head will come. I said, wow. It means that the crisis will create opportunities for the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I began to look for the opportunities. What are people's needs now? Because crisis creates new needs. I found out first, most of the basic needs are emotional. People need hope. People need peace. People need joy. People need love. People need kindness. I said, fantastic. This is playing on the church's tough. These are the fruit. These are part of the fruit of the spirit. These are the things we have right now. If only we will recognize their opportunities. So, the next thing I noticed is the older generation holds the resources, holds the political power, financial power, and so on. And the old structures completely ineffective. Everything moved on technology, which is where the younger generation lives. That indicates to me it's their time, period. It is their time. Any, any leader anywhere that is smart, We focus on the young people now and look for ways to empower them. So it's amazing now that you're then having issues coming up like racism, like rape, and so on. And these young people are angry right now. They hate the injustice. 
This is the best time for them to catch their purposes, to catch their assignments in life, to get visions from God, which is my prayer. They need to channel the anger. I want to tell them the person that has the answer to their questions is God. They were wired for this. The solution is not outside. The solution is inside them. Saul's mm. system could not solve Goliath's problem. The solution to Goliath was a teenager. The solution to Goliath was a teenager who had been having the backside of the desert, who had turned his disadvantages into an advantage because he was kept away from the family. So even though he did not have people to talk mm. to, he began to talk to the unseen God. And his faith had built mm -hmm. up. So when he appeared before Goliath, he saw Goliath differently. He had differently. So I want to say to the younger mm -hmm. generation, it's time, it's your season, it's the moment. Go for it. But it will take God mm -hmm. for you to solve the problems you are angry about. Other people have tried to solve them before and they failed. Thank you so much, sir. This has been incredible. I could go for three hours, but I think we've had enough. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me and for wrapping up this series with me in the best way possible. You know, I was telling somebody last week that, you know, you sent me a message and, you know, at the end of the day, I said, I love you, Pastor. I said, I love you too. And I said, oh my God, the way it just easily came out of Pastor's mouth, it's incredible. You are such a role model, sir. I mean, I've said this many times for me, for so many of us, you set so many of us spirits free with the courage and integrity of your own spirit and may this clarity and wisdom never cease. Amen. Thank you, Chudem. 